This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is July 5th, 2021. Hope you guys all had a happy, safe, fun 4th of July. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's going on, man? How are you? Not much, man. I'm happy that at the time that people are going to be listening to this episode on July 5th, I will not be working. I'll just be hanging out, observing the holiday of July 4th, which is always interesting to me, like observing a holiday, especially for one that like you genuinely do celebrate on the day that it happens on the weekend. And then you also get Monday off really just great that that's a thing. I'm thankful for that. So while you guys are uh, hanging out, kind of maybe you're observing the holiday with your work. I don't know. Uh, We'll be observing together. So I'll be just hanging out with the family, probably trying to chase after my crawling baby and uh and all those fun things so yeah i'm 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 excited for you guys to hear this episode i think it'll be a good one uh jonathan we are covering many more prospects than i thought we would cover when i thought about these episodes we're, we're covering a lot of ground here yeah definitely and, and back to your point about the fourth of july and observing the holiday mm. seems like someday you know quite a years back long long ago somebody was in a conference room and they're like, Hey, don't you guys, you guys want Monday off, right? Like the 4th of July is this weekend. Let's just say we're going to observe the fourth on the fifth. So, you know, we really care about America. Speaking of caring about America, I've got my red, white, and blue trimmed Nikola Vucevic all-star Jersey from 2019 had to, had to throw that out there. Oh, I did want to mention something in terms of the fourth, Jonathan really grinds my gears. Now that I'm a dad, here we go. Okay. Last night, Harper is sound asleep. She's a great sleeper. Wonderful. It's like 10, 9.30 p.m. She's been asleep at this point for like two and a half hours. And then all of a sudden, just boom, 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 boom. Fireworks everywhere, everywhere. I look in there on the monitor, and she's just like rearing up, you know, kind of like on her stomach and pushing up and uh, just throwing a fit. So fireworks didn't scare her or anything. They just woke her up. I don't blame her. Went into her room. Fireworks just going off, going crazy. So, and heard it the worst from her room for sure. She, she got a window right next to her crib. So we had to set up, you know, we set up a pack and play in the, in a bathroom and close the door. And we're just like trying to make sure she can't hear it. Still could hear it. So we just had to wait. Finally, they stopped around 11 and then she like went to sleep. But if that was just for, you know, three, two days before the fourth, um you guys will know by now maybe i'll have gone about it on a twitter rant about it by then but like we've just accepted that we're like she's not going to sleep well this weekend so while i understand fireworks and i love them i have beef with fireworks now as a result so what i can say is even us recording our podcast last week like my neighborhood they just seem mm-hmm. to start everything like two three weeks ahead of time mm-hmm. we'll just get a couple of nights during the week where people are going crazy with the fireworks especially this weekend I don't know what it is, but both of our girls slept right through the fireworks. Last Tuesday night, as some of you know, my neighbor across the street, this gigantic, like 30-foot-tall oak tree, fell, basically split in half in his yard, came Mm. across the street and landed on top of our car, 
girl slept through the whole thing. So that's crazy. I don't know what it is, but yeah, definitely it's driving the Dam- struggle bus. Is you it know, damage on the, the car? Is it? Uh... It's not totaled. There was no broken glass. It looks basically like it was raining hockey pucks that night. The best way that I can describe it, there's just like hockey puck size dents down so the side the of shop? the car. So no, not yet. That's a, I'm not going to get into it. We're trying to, it's the people across the street rent the house. We're trying to get the homeowner to pay our deductible because we mm. know that he knew about the tree right. and that it needed, you know, to be cut down and didn't. So I don't want to get into that, but I'm dealing with that headache now too. Anyways, the night of the draft. So July 29th to Tuesday night, I believe, or is that that's a Thursday night? Excuse me. The draft lottery was on a Tuesday night, July 29th, Thursday, we're going to be putting together another get together mm-hmm. at Harry Buffalo from five o'clock that afternoon. And then at six 45, we're all going to walk over to the Amway. We're still working with the Orlando magic to try to get a section reserved for seating for all of us to be able to sit together. So guys be on the lookout for that. We're super excited. If you look on our YouTube or Twitter, anything like that, the last watch party was a lot of fun. We had a great turnout. So hope that you guys can join us. Also, if you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday in Florida, we have Elsa, which right now I guess is a hurricane like slash frozen. tropical storm. Let the storm rage on. Mm. I've seen a lot of memes mm. about that this week. So hope, hopefully you guys are are staying safe. Luke, you've got to deal with fireworks this week, but you don't have to deal with the hurricane. Dude, I didn't sure even you don't miss that. I looked, I didn't Florida. even know. I didn't even know about it until I looked at at this, you know, at our basically agenda for the show today. I had no clue about about it at all. I guess that's part of just like living so far away from Florida now, but I haven't seen right. a meme about it. I haven't seen, I don't know what's, I follow a bunch of Florida people on Twitter, so I don't We're know. not scared. That's why people are like, eh. well, we know that we know that, but uh, yeah, no, I had no idea about that. So you guys uh, stay safe. When did you say is it supposed to hit? It's supposed to hit like Monday night, like into Tuesday. Do they think it'll be a hurricane by the time it hits or what? It depends. Like Dennis Phillips is the big meteorologist in the Tampa Bay area. One of the big ones. Yeah. He seems to think that it might not even be a tropical storm by the time that it gets to us. It might be like a tropical depression oh. well, so, be nice. because it's moving so fast. It's going to be moving over a lot of land. So we'll see what I've come to learn and know about hurricanes is that nobody knows anything about right. hurricanes and what they're going to do. So just hope everybody out there is you know going to stay safe and everything like that. So Luke, let's get down to business. Speaking of things, people don't know anything about. Let's get into the NBA draft. <laughs> oh my! No, we're going to get into <laughs> talking about Penny Hardaway. So we had this huge segment last week where we started talking about, you know, coaching candidates and everything like this. At that time, it didn't seem like Penny Hardaway was going to, you know, really be in the mix for the magic job. Literally the next or the next day. So we recorded on Saturday, Sunday night news comes out that Penny Hardaway was a serious candidate for the Orlando magic job that he wooed and impressed John and Jeff so much that they had like a four-hour meeting, allegedly. We don't know if this is true now. And that it was a, a real possibility that he was going to leave Memphis uh, for the Orlando Magic job. And then everybody freaked out. You talk about Reddit. You talk about our our YouTube comments from Memphis fans. You talk about uh, Facebook. Just everybody was freaking out about Penny potentially becoming the coach. And I queued it up. The I told you so tweets were coming our direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If he was named the head coach, because we basically came out from day one and said, absolutely not. We don't think this is happening. We don't think that he's the man for the job. 
And then what was it? 24, 48 hours later, Penny Hardaway comes out and says, you know what? As much as I appreciate the interest and blah, 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 and the fans and all the kind words, I'm staying in Memphis. And then like 45 minutes after that, the news comes out that Memphis is hiring Larry Brown yeah, and like hall of fame coach, Larry Brown to yeah. be an assistant at Memphis. So people have their opinions on whatever happened. My opinion. And I think you, me and Kevin all kind of shared this was we felt like, you know, Penny, this was very opportunistic on the part of Penny Hardaway. I'm sure the interest was legitimate. I'm sure he would love eventually to be the Orlando magic head coach, but it definitely seemed convenient that right after he says that he's going to stay, Larry Brown is announced as an assistant head coach for the Memphis Tigers. What yeah. Do you think? Um, I think it was a leverage play. Like Penny basically interviewed for an NBA job and Memphis was like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, you, you want Larry Brown? We were hesitant before he had some issues. He had some lack of coach control. Uh, charges with the NCAA and, you know, banned SMU from postseason things. And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of different things that happened there. So now that, you know, maybe, maybe Penny was just leveraging them. Penny was thinking if I get an NBA coaching job, great. If I get Larry Brown, great. I'm going to get one or the other. And I think he knew what he was doing. I don't, I don't think Penny is dumb by any means. Yeah. And no, I think, again, I think the interest was legitimate. And at first Memphis was like, Okay, like if you're gonna make like the magic probably aren't gonna hire you, you don't have a ton of experience. And then somebody, somebody leaked that he was a serious candidate. And then all of a sudden, Memphis kind of switches up their tune. So I don't know. We, we talked about this. We all thought that Penny, it wasn't the right time. He wasn't ready. People wanna talk about, you know, how, you know, he's had a, a pretty good winning percentage at Memphis. He plays in the athlete, the American Athletic Conference. He's not playing in the, you know, the Pac-12 or, you know, the SEC or, you know, the ACC or any of like the, you know, the big 10, like the big conferences, he plays in the, you know, American athletic conference. It's, it's, you know, he won the NIT. We had another guy on YouTube that got so mad that we wouldn't credit him with winning the NIT. Like, congratulations that like, that's making a big deal about, you know, being the seventh seed versus the eighth seed. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. You're not, I just want to, I just want to insert the Stephen A. Smith, the we don't care. If you're not one we of don't the, care. If you're not one of the best 68 teams in the country, if you can't even make it to like the first four of the NCAA tournament, you're just not a good team. It's as simple as that. There are plenty of bad teams that make it into the NCAA tournament because they let so many teams in. So if you're not one of the best bad teams, like that you, you have to much about you what he's you have to so far. you have to win your conference to get your bid into March Madness and Penny hasn't done that thus far he won the NIT which by the way any impressive win you have in the NIT that would be impressive in the regular season is no longer impressive in the NIT because I genuinely think that those big programs just don't care they don't, they don't care the going into the game. They say it is the NIT, whatever. Sure, it looked good for Penny to win a tournament. But it didn't, he didn't win March Madness. He didn't make March Madness. And I guarantee you, Penny would have rather made it to March Madness and taken any result from that than win the NIT. That's just the difference. It's, a, it's, not, it's not a big deal anymore. The NIT used to be. It's not anymore. Um, and that's just kind of the, the way of it. I'm, 
Penny is not there yet. If if we were talking five years from now, Penny had NCAA tournament appearances. He had deep runs. He had Sweet 16, Elite 8, whatever. I would buy more into it. I understand the foundation for Penny Hardaway is there. I know relationally everybody, Johnny Dawkins at UCF uh, being one of them, uh, the coach there at UCF, who played in the NBA has got, went on record and said Penny Hardaway can be a could be a coach in the NBA. He is great relationally. That is no secret. So we know that we know we know Penny is great, and and to be a great coach in the NBA, you do need to do that. You need to be good at building relationships, building trust, keeping trust, all of those things. Um, but unfortunately, there was nothing else going for me for Penny besides the fact that he's good with relationships. The foundation is there. But this time around, just it, it isn't it. I think he got a good experience with interviewing. It's it, any interview process is good. That goes for any type of thing in the professional world. But but Penny's time was not now, and I'm glad that the Orlando Magic could solidify that for me and reassure me that I wasn't crazy for thinking Penny shouldn't be a coach. Well, I think it was uh, once the Tar Heels won the national championship, like the Tyler Hansbro, Ty Lawson team in 2009. The next year they were in the NIT because all of those guys went to the NBA, you know, Wayne mm -hmm. Ellington, Danny Green. Mm -hmm. I could not care less about the NIT that year. And I'm really tr not trying to take away from Penny Hardaway. And I know, especially, you know, the first year with James Wiseman, you have this huge recruiting class. You lose the number one recruit in the country. Like that's going to hurt any team significantly, but until he shows that he can be a really, really, really successful college coach, I don't think he's ready to make the leap to the NBA. We've seen very, very successful college coaches make the jump to the NBA and just not be very good whatsoever. So right. um, not trying to make this like, you know, salty about Penny. Like he did what he had to do at Memphis. He's completely within his right to stay there. Whatever the case may be, we don't even know if it was him or his party that leaked that information. It very well could be but we don't know that for a fact. It's all speculation. But I am happy that they didn't make the decision at this time. Now, four or five years from now, like you said, if he's got some more experience, some more success, it would be an incredible story yeah. for Penny to come back, be successful with the franchise, maybe win a championship. Like That would be incredible. I would be yeah. all for that. And and before we move on from the, the Penny topic, I know that everybody has kind of already put their two cents in there. There is nobody that would have a more welcoming and nostalgic feeling for Penny Hardaway coming back to Orlando than you and me, Jonathan, you and I both love Penny Hardaway as a player. We love what we, what he did for the organization. You know, we, we appreciate Penny Hardaway. And I, I think that there's a lot of people that like misunderstand where we're coming from. When we say we don't think Penny was there and we are happy that he is not the head coach of the magic today. It's just, it, it just is what it is. He needs to take time, build his resume. When the time comes, if the time is right, we would love for Penny to be, you know, in Orlando. I hope that in four to five years, he has those deep tournament runs. I hope that he continues to recruit well. Like he, he has a very talented team. He just needs to capitalize. And I think that's where I'm at. He just didn't, he had a lot of talent in Memphis and just didn't capitalize, this, you know, in his coaching career so far. It's a young career though. He's, he's young in it. I think, you know, years down the road, we could see Penny Hardaway being in the NBA because of his, you know, abilities with uh, relationships. So 
Well, that was the thing that really got me, especially when the news started to break and everybody's freaking out and you just kind of fall into like the group think like, oh my gosh, this is really happening and everybody's mm -hmm. talking about it. So you kind of start to feed into it. But my thing was like, we do have this young team. He's great, you know, from a developmental aspect, like the, you know, the story, you know, about, you know, Cameron Payne that Penny Hardaway really helped, you know, redevelop him and kind of get, get his footing back in the NBA. And now Cameron Payne is a contributor on a team that's, in the NBA finals in the Phoenix suns. So, um, but yeah, it sucks because we're, we are crapping on Penny Hardaway. I'm, I'm not going to say that, Oh, you guys, you know, people are going to say you're killing him and, da, da, da. and we kind of are to a certain extent, but it's just because he's not ready. If he had the experience, I'd be all for it. I don't want to talk in circles, but that's people are like, you guys didn't bring this up on the podcast last week. We recorded the podcast. And then the next night, the, news broke and we're like oh my gosh what are the chances we're gonna have to record an emergency podcast this week like probably somewhere in the 90 percent range and that didn't happen but so we'll talk a little bit more um about some coaching candidates in just a moment luke this week usa basketball released the usa men's select team roster so for anyone that's not familiar with the way that usa basketball handles this is usually about two weeks before they leave for the Olympics or like the FIBA World Cup, whatever it is that year, they have a men's select team, which is full of mostly young players in the NBA. Right. That they want to kind of get them acclimated to the USA men's basketball program, essentially. Yeah. Usually it's guys that have USA basketball experience in the past or just like the best, you know, first, second, third year players in the league. I'm going to read the roster for you really quickly. And there's a, a pretty big omission from this list, we think. Sadiq Bay, Miles Bridges, Anthony Edwards, Darius Garland, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero, John Jenkins, Keldon Johnson, Josh Majette, Dakota Mathias, Emmanuel Quickly, Naz Reed, Cam Reynolds, Isaiah Stewart, Obi Toppin, PJ Washington, Patrick Williams. Luke, that's 17 players invited to the USA men's select team. No Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony won a gold medal with USA basketball, the 18 U team in 2018 and did not receive a USA men's select team invitation. What are your thoughts initially? Um, so I'm not going to speak on this as if I know what goes into inviting players to the, to the select team. I'm just not, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know, because I know there's a reason Josh Majette made it. I know that he did something with FIBA or, or something like that qualified and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, well, so he, before you got just, so, I don't yeah. mean to cut you off, but John Jenkins, Josh Majette, Dakota Mathias, Cam Reynolds, all of those guys played for the USA men's basketball team in the qualifying grounds at one point or another. So USA basketball, they're trying to reward guys who basically got them to the Olympics because all of the guys that are playing on the Olympic roster, you they, like, every country still has to go through the qualifying process. So KD and all those guys didn't get us there. They're going to win us the gold, but they try to reward the guys that helped get USA to the Olympics. When did that happen, by the way? For the it, it, it ha it's happened over the course of like the last couple of years, my understanding. Okay. Sorry, international basketball, Olympic basketball, I don't really pay attention right. to because a lot of NBA stars for the U S just don't seem to care. And plus whenever we win, whenever we play, we win. So it's like, do you, you don't really have to follow it that close. Yeah, I don't feel like it means much. If I was of another origin, like if I was from another country, uh, Slovenia or whatever, like with Doncic, like I would be going crazy. 
because I'd be like, wow, we could we could win something or we could he we could he could put us on the map. I don't really care. Anyway, um, yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, the fact that on that roster, the that 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 Cole didn't even he's not there is kind of ridiculous. I mean, you look at the guys that are on that roster. I mean, you, you've named what five guys that I could put Cole on that roster over Four, yeah, four. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it stinks that he didn't even get an invite, but I mean, it is what it is. If I, I mean, I have to kind of keep my same energy, right? If I don't care about it, then like, I can't be outraged about Cole Anthony not getting an invite because that's just what it is. I don't care, um, about the, that select team, but if I just look at that, I'd say, yeah, I mean, that's kind of ridiculous that he didn't at least get an invite. Well, for like recent Orlando Magic young stars, you look at Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, Tobias Harris, Victor Oladipo, like the last, you know, seven, eight years, it's almost like a rite of passage for them. Like each of those guys played for the USA men's select team at one point or another. So I do get really excited for like the FIBA World Cup and like, you know, the Olympic basketball team every you know, two and in, in four years. Mm-hmm. So I do care about this. I do think if you take off those four guys, there's no way that Cole doesn't make it. Right. When you start looking at the roster, like Sadiq Bay, okay, probably a good case for him to make it over yeah. Cole. Anthony Edwards, probably, well, definitely. Darius Garland, yes. Tyrese Halliburton. Tyler Hero is where I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe not. I think you could make the, the case for Cole. Uh, but past that, like Emmanuel quickly probably makes it over Cole. After that, like how many guards are you going to bring on the select team? You know, especially when you got guys like Josh Majette, you know? So, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it, those thinks- four guys aren't there. Cole is on it. But the crazy thing is this list got released and I was just, my brain was instantly 100% sure that Cole just said no. And we right. tweeted at Cole and we're like, right? Like you said no to this. And then he <laughs> responded. He's like, I didn't even get invited, LOL. So he, yeah. I'm sure he feels a, a certain way about it, especially playing for the 18U team a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, no, the only other thing that I have to add is I don't know that I would put him on it over Tyler Hero. Uh, 37 points in a playoff game. Tyler Hero can get that over Cole. Come on, uh, bro. That was, that was that a was lifetime what? ago, given the, the season that Tyler Hero had. Right. I mean, Hero was garbage this year. Let's Yeah, he, he was not, bad, but I'm not going to sit here and say Cole Anthony deserved an invite over him who I'm, has I'm, it's it's for me it's a conversation to be had. That's It is because say. don't say there's no bias though. Like Of course there is. I I I never ever ever deny my bias. Nobody I understand, will ever try me but, with that. But but I'm telling you biased. there is there is a lot of bias when it comes to you hate the heat and you like love Cole Anthony. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Right. So Proudly. I'm just saying Exactly. I'm just saying, I don't, I, I don't see it. I, I Tyler Hero deserved the invite over Cole. I'm sorry, but he did. Um, just but like yeah, the Jack Harlow song. <laughs> That's, That's it. what it is. That's what it is. That's what got him an invite, and that is the reason I have my opinion right now. <laughs> Anyways, hopefully the next you know select team. Maybe we'll see Cole as an Olympian one day. Who knows? That would be great for the Magic because that means. He's become, you know, one of the best, you know, 10, 15 players in the league potentially. So let's talk a little bit more about the coaching search. So outside of Penny Hardaway, basically taking himself out of the running for the job, um, the athletic reported two candidates met with the magic this week. Wes Unseld Jr. For the second time, 
Uh, Wes Unsell Jr. is a uh, assistant. He's the associate head coach, actually, under Michael Malone with the Denver Nuggets. Wes Unsell Jr., for anybody that's scoffing at the potential of that hire, Wes Unsell Jr. has been an assistant coach in the league for 16 years now. Yes, he was with the Orlando Magic from 2012 to 2015 under Jacques Vaughn, uh, but just obviously there's a reason that Michael Malone has had Wes Unsell Jr. in Denver for so long. He's largely credited with how good of a defensive team that they've been the last few years. So we could do much worse than Wes Unsell Jr. The Magic have now met with him twice. They're advancing in the hiring process um, as the athletic Josh Robinson Shams reported. Yeah. And then Jamal Mosley, mm-hmm. assistant coach with the Dallas Mavericks. He's, you know, he was uh, interviewed this past week as well. So, yeah. Still no word on Kenny Atkinson, which is concerning. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll see about that. I still have hope for it. Uh, I'm a big Vegas guy in terms of like, I love to look at the odds and see kind of what they're thinking. As recent as two or three days ago, Atkinson was the favorite to land the job. Vegas knows everything. There is someone that knows something in Vegas that they have not given up hope on Kenny Atkinson and they are led to believe not only is he a top candidate, he is the sole candidate to get the job. Now, what I will say about Wes Unsell Jr. A lot of people came out. They just don't know about him, right? There, there's people still saying, I want Becky Hammond over him, whatever. Last week we did like our, our top three, right? I said Atkinson. Uh, I believe I had Becky. And then I had Wes Unsell Jr. I have since flipped and when I did my actual research on Wes Unsell Jr. after the holy crap, this could happen moment after him getting a second interview, I have flipped Wes Unsell Jr. and he is now number two on my list. Um, stinks for Becky, but I just feel like she is kind of dying down in terms of possibility of her becoming the candidate. I don't, or the coach. I don't know if it's because of her interest, the Magic's interest, whatever. Mutual, no idea. All I know is that Wes Unsell Jr., even with uh, yes on the defensive end, but people just blanket statement are saying, that he has been credited with the development of Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. What else do you want? He he's reported to be a grinder. He develops young talent. I mean, he he is someone who could get hired for the Magic tomorrow or tonight. Um, and I could say, I'm I'm cool with it. I'm cool with that. I don't care. You know, I, yes, Kenny was my top, but that doesn't mean Wes Unsell Jr. is a bad choice. I would love it if Wes Unsell Jr. was the next coach of the Magic, and he's now two on my list. Plus, he's got that Hall of Fame bloodline. He is Wes Unsell Jr. His daddy but, is Wes yeah. Unsell, Hall of Famer, right. a longtime Washington Bullets player. Mm-hmm. Goes right. back a long way. Uh, yeah. Retired in 1981. But again, Hall of Fame bloodline, like the game is in his blood. He knows what he's doing. I would not be mad at that higher. Also, player. also, the people who when Penny, Penny Hardaway stuff came out, and you know, I was still showing my reservations about Penny Hardaway. I, I saw people telling people who felt the same way I felt, hey, just trust the front office, man. Just trust them. And the West Unsell Jr. news comes out, and they're like, West Unsell Jr.? And it's like, trust them when it's convenient, Luke. <laughs> so trust that's them when, when they're doing what you want. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and for people who want to try to would try to flip this on, you know, the people who didn't want Penny, I said this. It's documented in a group text. I will gladly release the screenshots that said, if the front office thinks that this is the right move, I'm in. I have been trusting the front office. 
I tweeted that from our from our account. Like I don't yeah. think it's the move, but if John and Jeff tell me it's right. the move, then it's the move. So like, it, that's just I'm, how it is. I'm on board. I've I have said it a million times until this front office loses my trust in a stupid action that they make. We'll find out on draft night. I I'm on board. I'm all aboard Weltham train and whatever they decide, they decide I am fully in support, especially of Wes Unsell Jr. Kenny Atkinson. I hope that happens, but if that happens, I, if Unsell Jr. happens, I'm fine with it. Becky happens fine with it. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard the front office and what they're doing. They put far more research into this than I ever will. And I trust it. So I just, as we're talking through this, I just kind of had like an uh, aha moment, like Mm, the light mm -hmm. bulb turned on. Mm Mm-hmm. There's probably a very good reason that we haven't heard the name Kenny Atkinson. And that's because the front office doesn't want anyone to hear the name Kenny Atkinson. Everybody knows that this is an extremely yeah. secretive front office. They don't leak any news. Right. If they're honing in on their guy, yeah. the chances are you're not going to see it coming. Nobody's going to have any idea, and they're just going to make the hire. Right? So, yeah. again, Vegas knows something. Hopefully yeah. they're right. I would yeah. love Kenny Atkinson to be the hire, especially after that video that I shared with you. Uh, if you if you guys have a moment, just Google uh, Kenny Atkinson plugged in or mic'd up or something like that from the Yes yeah. Network when he was with Brooklyn and they had him mic'd up during yeah, a Brooklyn Nets great. practice, and it's just it's just awesome. Not only the way he's acting during the 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 practice, but the way that guys are talking about him, and you can tell that they are all very genuine. Yeah, not just saying this because the camera's on, like, especially DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan talks for, like, a minute about all the great things about can, Kenny Atkinson. Can we uh, – I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Are we able to link in descriptions or comments uh, videos from YouTube? Yeah, can we I do that? we can. We can try but, that. If you guys are listening, check yeah. the description. It may or may not be there. YouTube, we can. If it's, if podcast, it's not – I don't know. Yeah, so on YouTube, it'll definitely be there. So if you guys haven't checked it out, go there, subscribe. By the way, thank you guys for the support this past week. Our subscriber count doubled, um, really. And so, yeah, go do that for us. We're going to have the Kenny Atkinson uh, mic'd up video there. Honestly, I, I'm not lying when I say – that put me over the edge in terms of this like, could, I just want to say this could age very poorly. We could already have a head coach by the time this episode comes out. If that's the case, the link will not be there. I can right. promise you it that. won't be there and you guys won't care anymore. However, right. regardless, uh, it's a great segment. Players speak really highly on Atkinson there. They say he allows you to make mistakes. He allows you to mess up. He gives you a long leash the type of thing that young guys need. Kenny Atkinson, man, that video, I'm glad you reminded me of that because that video was was pretty awesome. Kenny Atkinson, Wes Unsell Jr., either of those guys, I'm right. sold at this point. I'm good to go. So last thing we're going to cover before we get into this week's draft prospect breakdown, we're going to talk a little bit about the draft combine. So last yeah. week we talked you know, at length about quite a few prospects. Um, just some updates for you guys if you haven't been paying you know a ton of attention. So Jonathan Kaminga. So one of the the biggest knocks on Jonathan Kaminga is the lack of a jump shot. Now the form is there. It seems like he's just got to get the repetition to become more confident, more consistent from there. During his pro day at the NBA draft combine, he shot upwards of 60% from three during the pro day. Now, Luke, it's in an empty gym, right? Nobody's guarding him. He's got a nice sweat, a good lather going. He's in rhythm. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. But it is promising right yeah i mean i would 
I would love it if Kuminga could come in and really improve his jump shot. I, I think he was that, a 60% three point shooter. That'd be well, well, yes, <laughs> it's that, possible. But. That would be great. Uh, if he could become the best three point shooter on the planet, but it is, it is encouraging, you know, for a guy who shot 25% from three in the G league, but there's a lot of things with the G league, right? It's kind of, it's kind of twofold, uh, for better or for worse. They only play 13 games. So, you know, small sample size, really. I mean, he's going to go come in here and play 82. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, he couldn't, you know, you could make the case he just wasn't in rhythm. He was shooting enough. He was shooting five threes a game. I think he his confidence is there to where he could, I mean, he's definitely going to improve his three-point shot. I really am not convinced of, of anything else at this point. He's going to improve it in his rookie year. I think he will definitely shoot better than the percentage he shot in the G League. Um more more time to to get in a rhythm, better players around you, putting you in better positions. I think that he'll he'll improve his shot, and that was just all I needed to see was that he shot sixty percent, regardless of empty gym or not. That's that's a lot of threes to make. Sixty percent of them, I'm you're you're a good shooter. Like you have you at least have the tools to become a consistent three point shooter at that point. So Scotty Barnes, we don't have any real numbers on him and his percentages during his uh, pro day. But the shooting stroke did seem improved. You can tell that he's been doing a lot of work in yeah. that regard. For Jonathan Kamiga, Scotty Barnes, that's going to be like what's going to swing their career one way or the other is whether or not they're going to be average or you know really good three-point shooters. On the offense, now, yeah. James Booknight, Luke, I don't know if you watched the video on Booknight. Got me hot and bothered. I can't Dude, lie Oh, to my you. goodness. Let me tell wow. you what. Oh, man. I'm wearing a hoodie right now. <laughs> I'm sweating already, take... but yeah. good grief. So James Booknight, this video, it's like almost two minutes long. Yeah. And it's cut together, so let's right. be transparent about that. The kid does not miss a shot the entire two-minute video. There's a stretch that is uncut where yeah. he drains 14 straight threes from the right corner. There was only three or four of those 14 threes that even grazed the rim. The other 11 or 10 were nothing but net, That's and yeah. the stroke seems silky smooth. So people that are concerned about his shooting, 29% at UConn, I think that's misleading. I think he really has the potential to be an elite shooter off of the dribble, catch and shoot, all of that stuff. Like James Booknight at eight, if he's there, which yeah. he probably will be, I right. think he's going to get a long look from the magic. There's there's a – I listened to J.J. Redick talk about this one time. You said of those, you know, four, is he, how many 14 in a row that he made? 14 in a row. So three or four grays of the rim, right? I remember listening to J.J. Redick talk about in a game, if the ball – hits the rim at all, he's kind of irritated by it. And it's because he's a perfectionist. He's a great shooter. He shed the muscle memory to never hit the rim when it goes, especially when it goes in, right? So that was one thing that I heard like him say. And so now anytime JJ Reddick's playing, if, it, if the ball goes in but it hits the rim, I'm I know he's thinking like, man, I that wasn't good enough, which is hilarious to me because if the ball goes in for me, I don't care if it hits the back of the backboard, the top of the backboard, the side of the backboard and goes in. If it goes in, it goes in, right? And I have to bring this up about JJ Reddick just really yeah, quickly. I know right. I shared this with you, but it's okay. just so funny. So whatever day that was, Wednesday or Thursday, when like NCAA players were officially able <laughs> to, you know, make money off of their likeness. Yeah. JJ Reddick tweets like, man, I just um, imagine the uh, amount of you know money I would have spent on like, you know, Bud Light and, you know, Lacoste and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And this kid goes like, 
uh, something, something like, imagine what a good player would have made, <laughs> like just roasting JJ. I just thought it was the funniest Catch them thing strays ever. Just the because one, the freaking national player of the year, like yeah. just the ultimate troll, but and JJ even yeah. went back and forth with him, but could continue. I'm sorry. So yeah. So that was something that stuck with me. So the fact that, that book is able to, to make, you know, that many threes without, you know, even hitting the rim. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Moses Moody, we talked a lot about, about about Moses Moody, still really high on him. So he had the highest height to wingspan ratio in the combine. So why is that relevant? Because Jeff and John love their wingspan when it comes to these guys, especially guys with positive wingspans. So just another reason to, to like Moses Moody. And then Keon Johnson broke the combine record for vertical leap, max vertical leap with 48 inches, Luke. That's four feet off of the ground. So... Anyways, guys, uh, let's take a quick break. Support for the Six Man Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code 6 at manscaped.com. That's code 6, S-I-X-T-H at manscaped.com. All right, guys. It's another week and another week where I am raving about the crop exfoliator and the crop gel. You guys can, I, I've talked about this. My wife uses the crop exfoliator. Use that as your argument when you're trying to convince her to let you buy uh, products at Manscaped with code six for that 20% off and free shipping. Uh, would love for you guys to get this. You would love me for it, honestly. And then we've got the Lawnmower 4.0 that Jonathan just talked about. Uh, incredible, improves my shaving game immensely, gives me the confidence that, that I didn't have before to go and, and shave. Uh, honestly, I mean, there's a lot of times where you neglect shaving because you're just not confident in it. But with the Lawnmower 4.0, man, confidence is unlocked. Absolutely, highly recommend the Lawnmower 4.0. I think the best thing about the partnership that we've had with Manscaped is like we've gotten to try all these great products, but actually like talking about a product that we believe in because yeah. all of their products honestly are top notch, premium quality. What right. whatever direction you guys go in with Manscaped, you, you just can't go wrong. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Yikes. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim length through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. And not only that, Jonathan, the wireless charging has been a game changer for me. Uh, the new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. It's time to get your own trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. So get 20% off in free worldwide shipping with the code 6SIXTH at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code 6. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, Luke, let's get into our draft prospect breakdown part two. So last week we went through quite a few you know, guys that are potentially going to be there at five and at eight. We talked about Jonathan Kaminga and Scotty Barnes and Moses Moody and Keon Johnson, James Booknight, you know, a few other guys. 
this week, uh, we're going to start with Jalen Johnson. So Jalen Johnson out of Duke, he's a forward, 19 years old, 6'9", 220 pounds, 6'11 wingspan this year at Duke, 13 games, averaged 11.2 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 1.2 blocks, 1.2 steals, 2.5 turnovers, shot 52.3 from the floor, 44.4% from the three-point line, 62% from the free throw line. Luke, what do you think of Jalen Johnson? Um, so yeah, as far as Jalen Johnson goes, uh, he's got a, a good build six, nine, two twenty, like you said, with that six eleven wingspan, um, shot well from three, but only shot 1.4 attempts a game. Um, kind of his comp as far as abilities and stature and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I saw some Paul Pierce. I saw some Tobias Harris. Obviously if Jalen Johnson turns out to be those guys, that'd be great. Um, he's really athletic. Um, he's able to, you know, post up smaller defenders. He can defend at the rim. He's got good mid range. Um, he's a, she's a versatile player. Uh, and he's got good vision despite only having those like two assists a game. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that there are some things that I would like to see him improve on his shooting his, you know, improving his shooting and, and also like his free throw shooting as well. Um, there's just, Sometimes where he's just not, he doesn't ooze confidence to me sometimes on, you know, on the shooting end um, on offense. I think that there could be, you know, some things that he could do in terms of boosting his confidence um, that would make me more convinced. I don't know if at eight, I would be willing to take a chance on him. So what I wrote down in my notes is per the shooting, the shooting form, I wrote in all caps, yuck, because it's disgusting. Like, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't really call it a hitch. But it's just, a, especially the release, it's just very awkward looking. Um, but like you said, he's a really athletic kid. He's great in transition as a passer and a finisher. There's some playmaking potential and upside there. Potential as a cutter. The comparison that I have is Aaron Gordon, because a lot of those things that we mentioned, the athleticism, his ability in transition to make plays, the, the playmaking upside, the shooting form even. Not really like Aaron Gordon, but just the fact that it's not good, that he's not a good three-point shooter. Yes, it's 44% from the three-point line, but like you said, 1.4 attempts a game. Only played 13 games at Duke. He left IMG Academy during his senior year for personal reasons. Left Duke after 13 games, again, for you know personal reasons, basically, I, I guess to try to preserve his draft stock, whatever the case may be. So there are some questions about whether or not teams are going to have character concerns. I'm sure all of that's going to get ironed out during the interview process. I know the Orlando Magic, uh, per to Josh Robbins, were able to interview Jalen Johnson, I believe, at the draft combine. So I'm sure they have those questions answered already. Yeah. But the potential is there. I'll definitely say that again, he, especially he, in transition yeah. as a playmaker, finisher, right. athletic. I, he I did become a good shooter. Yeah. I did want to add, Jonathan, um, and it only takes looking at his statistics to see this. He's got a turnover problem immensely. I mean, he, he averaged 2.2 assists per game and averaged 2.5 turnovers a game. So this is a guy that is just kind of inconsistent, can kind of be a little careless, and hopefully that's something he could tune up. Again, he didn't have many games to really prove himself at Duke. So that's just kind of the last note I did want to add because it is a huge part of, I think, what teams will consider for him. All right, let's move on to Davion Mitchell. So out of Baylor, guard, 22 years old, stands six foot two, 205 pounds, six foot five wingspan, 
this year at Baylor averaged 14 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 1.9 steals, 0.4 blocks, 2.4 turnovers, 51% from the floor, 44% from the three-point line, shot 64% from the free throw line. So some of the notes that I've got on Davion Mitchell, great on the ball fender, tenacious, got great lateral quickness, explosive athlete, decent handle, decent finisher, good three-point shooter, although some people have some concerns because of the fact that 2020, he was a 32% three-point shooter, career 65% free throw shooter. This year, the free throw shooting was still at 64%, but the three-point percentage jumped up to 44% from the three-point line. But good catch-and-shoot uh, guy, 43% off of all catch-and-shoot opportunities that he had. He was third in Division One basketball in points per possession, shooting off the dribble. So in my opinion, there's a little bit of Donovan Mitchell there, maybe a little bit of Kemba Walker. He is a little bit undersized. What did you think of, of Davian Mitchell? A little undersized, like you said. I still think he's a good defender. Um, obviously, you know, you're going to have some matchup problems with him where he's only guarding those smaller guys. Can't really – not a lot of switch potential with him on, you know, picks and everything. But one of the things that stuck out to me, besides his shooting, which, by the way, like – there is kind of an enigma there with his bad free throw shooting, but 44% on like 4.7 attempts a game. I don't understand, but if he's on my team and he's shooting those percentages, I'll live with the bad free throws. Honestly, um, he's a, he's great off ball. I mean, like really good off ball. You can just tell his IQ is through the roof in terms of, you know, what to do coming off screens, uh, you know, backdoor cuts, uh, cutting people's face on, on the offensive end and getting, you know, open there underneath. Like he, he's good at scoring off the dribble. He's a good athlete. I mean, he's a guy that I watch it and he, he seems really unselfish. You'll see this anywhere that you look up Davion Mitchell. I think a lot of concerns are he is a little too unselfish. So if he was more selfish, I think he could have easily averaged 18 a game, but had instead of 5.5 assists, maybe like 3.5. So I do think that that I I would like to see more in terms of like killer instinct. Um, but yeah, and you know, you we had talked about this early on with like Cade Cunningham, like not willing to take over in the second half when it mattered late in the game. Davion Mitchell is just unselfish, and it's to a fault, I think. And something that he can definitely improve on, but he's a he's a good athlete. All the tools are there for him. It stinks that he's only six one, but I do think that there is a lot of potential with Davion Mitchell. Uh, and also, don't forget to put champion by his name. So he's he's a winner, man. I I, I do like him. He's spent you know his four years at you know in college, started at Auburn, went to Baylor. Uh, a little maybe a little bit concerned with age, but you know, I, I think he's a great player. I've got that as, as well age, you know, he's going to be 23 when the season starts. And that just seems to be, you know, always a sticking point with NBA executives is yes, this guy's 23, but how much better is he going to get at this point? Right. And you kind of know what you're going to get versus if you, you know, take potential, you, there might be some upside there with the youth. So um, yeah, David Mitchell, I don't think I love him at eight for the magic. There yeah. are pe people that disagree with that. Some people have him, you know, as high as like five with the magic taking him as five in some mm -hmm. mock drafts. I definitely wouldn't take him at five. I don't know that I love him at eight either, you know, mostly because of the age and the fact that you know, six, two, you know, is a little bit undersized. It's not crazy. He's not Isaiah Thomas or anything like that. Again, he is an explosive athlete, good lateral quickness, 
the ability to create shots off the dribble and, and get to the rim and everything like that. Um, solid finisher as well, but um, I just don't know that he's either the right fit. I don't know how much upside and how much better he's going to get at 23 years old. So next up, Josh Giddy. So this was pretty interesting. I heard things about Josh Giddy and that, you know, he was a, a good playmaker, you know, a good yeah. pass, right? Really didn't know too much else about him. So he plays, you know, for the um, NBL uh, in Australia. Uh, he's a guard, 18 years old, 6'8", 205, 6'8", wingspan. This year averaged 10.9 points, 7.3 rebounds, 7.6, flirted with a triple-double, uh, 1.1 yeah. steals, uh, 0.5 blocks, 3.3 turnovers. You know, that comes with, the, you know, the high assist rate as well. Uh, 42.7% from the floor, 29% from the three-point line, and 69% as a free throw. So in my notes, the first thing that I have in all caps is a playmaker. Like the passes that this kid makes, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. There are plenty of concerns, but Luke, what do you think of, of Josh Giddy? Oh, I mean, great size, 6'8", point guard. You can't really argue with that, right? I mean, he can see over those defenders. It makes it, you know, him able to be that playmaker that he is. Now, all that to say, I mean, that's his highlight, right? Seven, I mean, 7.5 assists per game, 7.4 rebounds per game. I mean, great player. Um, but the, the issue with, with what I've seen a lot of, the concerns with him is that they don't know if he's laterally quick enough to keep up with the smaller guards, but they also don't know that he is big and strong enough to defend the bigger players either. So on defense, I could see him being a little bit of a liability. I think that the big note that I made was I only would want him to get drafted to Orlando if Orlando traded back to like the 12 to 16 range is where I would consider Giddy. I, I don't, he's got a, as great as he is on offense, high IQ, great playmaker can see over those small defenders, all of those things. He's, he's not a great shooter by any means. And his defensive liability kind of scares me off. So what I was, what I was actually thinking is I would not take him at eight unless the magic are able to trade into the top three, end up with Jalen green or Evan Mobley. And they're able to keep the eighth pick. Like if you're telling me we have Jalen green and Evan Mobley, I'm more willing to take a risk on a guy like Josh Giddy if the front office really sees something in him. Again, 6'8". The comparison that I saw was like Ben Simmons light, which right now isn't like this huge compliment. He's getting dragged on Twitter because of his performance in the playoffs this year, especially shooting the ball. Mm -hmm. I will say Josh Giddy's potential as a shooter much higher than Ben Simmons, in my opinion. But the concerns with Giddy are going to be, you know, he's going to be limited at creating space off the dribble. He's not a crazy athlete. Uh, he's going to need to speed up the release on the jump shot, like really takes his time with that. I think he's just going to have a lot of issues in the NBA outside of open catch and shoot opportunities. Like you said, he's going to struggle defensively with the smaller guards, with the bigger forwards, just kind of has that awkward frame. He's going to be a project from day one if he's the, the pick at eight for the Magic. It's going to take some time for him to fill out become more physical and everything like that with some of the bigger guards. And the lateral quickness is one of those, those things that it doesn't really feel like you can improve that much on. So if a guy just already doesn't have that, I don't feel like that's one of those things that you can get better at over time. Yeah. Yeah. For, for Giddy also that, and you know, he just not, not a great first step either. So, I mean, getting past NBA defenders, who knows? So there's, there's definitely some concerns with Giddy. Next up, Franz Wagner out of Michigan. So we saw Mo Wagner 
this season in a limited capacity for the Orlando Magic. The first thing that I'll say is I think Franz is going to be much better. I think he's more skilled. I think he moves better at a Michigan forward, 19 years old. He's 6'9", 220. I cannot find his wingspan anywhere, so I don't have those in my notes. Must here. not be notable. <laughs> must, must not be. <laughs> uh, 12.5 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.3 steals, 1 block, 1.3 turnovers, shot 47% from the floor, 34% from the three-point line, 83% from the free-throw line. So really has you know potential to become a really good shooter. Uh, right now, he's a great defender, high motor, all over the place, always seems to be in the right spot, good technique, moving his feet. Uh, Michigan actually ran a lot of pick-and-roll with, with Franz Wagner, with him as the ball handler, which at 6'9", was pretty wild to see, especially in a, a college setting. Runs the four well. He's a good passer. Again, like Giddy, he's going to struggle to create his own shot in the NBA. I think the upside is going to be limited just because he's not crazy athletic. He doesn't have a really quick first step. I don't know how much better he's going to get. The comparison that I have is Danilo Gallinari, which mm. if he becomes Gallo, like he's going to do pretty well. What do the you one think that of Franz? I, yeah, the, the one comp that I saw for him um, is Denny from Washington. Um, I, I've, so that's the comparison that I've seen a lot of with, with Wagner. Um, you know, as far as he goes, I think that he's, he's young, right? Even though I think he spent two years at Michigan, he's still like on the younger side. He's like still as young as a lot of those guys that only played one year as those freshmen. So I don't know if I'm willing to put a ceiling on him. I know that his skills, you know, might imply, you know, otherwise, like you kind of alluded to. However, you know, he's, he's young, he's raw. He's a, he's probably a project. He's not elite at anything yet. It doesn't, there's not really signs of him becoming elite at anything. Really. He's just solid everywhere. He's a guy that's probably not going to make too many mistakes. Um, He's going to make the right read. You can trust him with the ball. I mean, there, and, and there is a lot of upside in terms of his three point shooting ability, you know, despite shooting 34% on only 1.3 attempts, it's hard to get good at something when you don't shoot that much. Um, and so if he can just get more reps, get in the gym and, and just get more reps when it comes to being in a, a professional, it's the only thing he has to focus on and he can just shoot forever. I think there's a lot of, a lot of potential with him shooting 83% from the free throw line. I don't see why he can't become a three and D guy in the league, honestly, and be just a solid player, never being a lead at anything, but being a solid player for a long time in the NBA. So this is a guy, um, I think right now he's, he's probably pretty close to like my third pick mm-hmm. at eight. I still think it's like Moses Moody and, and James Booknight there for me at eight, but Franz Wagner, um, I do think, you know, the magic could definitely use some depth at the, the forward spot. So him yeah. coming off the bench next year, if, you know, Chuma Okiki is able to start and Jonathan Isaac is ready to go at the beginning of the year, I really wouldn't mind Franz coming off the bench kind of in the same role that Mo did. Uh, Mo Wagner last year, um, right. but kind of being a little bit better at that role is just, again, he's a high motor guy like Mo. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a better shooter. Again, he moves a lot better in my opinion than Mo does, uh, you know, good defender from day one. So um, yeah, I like, I like Franz a lot. I just don't know how, you know, like what exactly his path is to becoming like an all-star or anything like that. So next up, before we started recording, Luke, I told you, there was one of these prospects that I fell in love with. I have and a feeling I know who it is. We're getting to him right now. Alpren Shengun yeah. out of Turkey. Okay. Yeah. Now he's a center. So this, 
just right off the bat, if we take this guy, I think he's already better than Mo Bamba from day. <laughs> I've got to say that. Like, I still believe in Mo Bamba. There is still a path in my mind for him to become very good, but it has to be happening right now. It has to happen this season. Mo has to come into training camp day one and be ready to go to be a legitimate NBA player. Might not be a starter just yet, but he needs to be one of the best backup centers in the league next year, or I just don't see it happening. All of that to be said, Alperin Shengun out of Turkey. He's a center, 18 years old, 6'10", 240 pounds, 6'10 wingspan. This year in Turkey was the Turkish League MVP. Okay, ESPN, as far as leagues ranked outside of the NBA, ESPN has the Turkish league ranked as the third best league outside of the NBA. And he was the MVP of the league at 18 years old, his first year in the league, 19.2 points per game, 9.4 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.7 blocks, almost two blocks, 2.3 turnovers, 64% from the floor, 19% from the three point line, 81% from the free throw line. The first thing people are going to think of is the 19% from the three point line. Look at the free throw percentage. If you look at the shooting stroke, it is silky smooth. I don't see anything wrong with the shooting stroke. I think for him, it's just going to be repetition. The free throw percentage is there. Terms of the Turkish league, I just wanted to name drop here so people know that he's not playing with complete bums. There are a lot of guys who have had cups of coffee in the NBA that are currently playing in the Turkish league. Jamal Crawford, not Jamal Crawford. Why did I write Jamal Crawford here? Jordan Crawford. Pierre Jackson, you guys might remember he tore his Achilles years back in the Orlando Magic Summer League. Sam Decker, Emil Jefferson, former Orlando Magic player. Kyle O'Quinn, former Orlando Magic player. Joel Berry, North Carolina Tar Heel, won the tournament's most outstanding player a few years back when they won the national championship. And Josh Majette also plays in the Turkish League. Luke, all the reasons that I have listed here, I am falling in love with Alperin Shengun as potentially the, the Magic's eighth pick in the draft. What do you think? Am I crazy? I might be crazy. I don't know. I, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think he could be a really solid player in the league. I mean, the, the comps that I saw was uh, Sabonis and Booch. You saw Booch? I mean, See, I saw the other Nikola, Jokic. Well, give me them all. I mean, I don't know that he's going to be – you know, any of those. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me any of those guys. Uh, I don't know in terms of, you know, playmaking. I mean, he's great, but 2.5 assists per game. I don't know that he's ever going to be a Jokic type facilitator, but I mean, like, like you said, MVP of the Turkish league at 18, like that's not a slouch league by any means. Those aren't scrubs. Um, they, I think that we learned this with Doncic, right? winning MVP of the league and, you know, internationally. And I think it's just time that we start respecting the international leagues. As we were just saying earlier, how we don't care about international basketball. That's true. Yeah, I I really, you're right. I don't, but I can see a player and see, I'm not, but I should, right. I don't, but I should. Right. Um, No, I mean with him, I mean, 64% from the field. I know this guy doesn't shoot threes, but to shoot 64% on any right, like on 11 attempts a game, this dude's, this dude's good. This dude could be something really great. I think at the NBA level, uh, he he's young. He's still, his ceiling is undetermined. 
And the fact that he's, you know, and, and let me rephrase, by the way, defensively, he is not Vucevic. Offensively, he draws those comps. But Vuce is never getting 1.7 blocks per game. I can promise you that. So I would, I would love to have him to be part of the Magic roster. I mean, this is a guy that, like you said, you fell in love with it. It's easy to. He just dominated the Turkish League at 18, being a good league. There's no reason to think that he can't be an impact player in the NBA for a long time. So what I'll say about the clips that I watched, obviously they're all in the Turkish League. Every clip that you watch, you, you just feel like he's the best player on the floor. And him winning the MVP tells you that that was probably always, if, if not almost always the case, the fact that he was the best player on the floor at 18, his first year in the Turkish League. Like that really says a lot, in my opinion. The playmaking potential is there, kind of, you know, low assist numbers. But some of the passes that this guy is able to make are just absolutely ridiculous for a guy his size. Great at running the floor. There were plenty of times where he actually brought the ball up in transition where he would just grab the rebound and go down yeah. the floor and either get to the rim against bigger, slower guys or, you know, find open guys for threes, find cutters as they're getting to the rim. Not a crazy athlete. He's definitely more athletic than Jokic or Vooch, in my opinion. Um, definitely got a little bit of bounce. Had yeah. a, a few really nice posters. He's got a great feel for the game. Uh, the shooting potential is there. You know, you look at the high numbers with the field goal, per- the free throw percentage. Yeah. Uh, and the, the shooting stroke looks good. He's a great offensive rebounder. Um, you know, 9.4 rebounds per game. Um, I think, like, just absolutely just kill the offensive glass, like, for, for you know, his team in the Turkish league. The big questions and concerns with him, again, is going to be the poor shooting percentage, which I think the signs are there that he could get better. Now, yeah. how much better can he get from 19%? That I really don't know, but there are questions. I about, would hope a lot better. I would hope a lot, by better, the way, but you, you just never know the questions. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, Alperin Zagun is going to be a 40% three point shooter and right. say, you know, Jonathan Kaminga can't get there when right now, right. Jonathan Kaminga is, you know, a better shooter than he is uh, in terms of their three point percentage. But there are questions about, his size and and fit defensively, you know, is he going to be quick enough to stay in front of, you know, some of these, you know, quicker, you know, fours and wings, right. 240 pounds. Is he going to be big enough to guard guys like Jokic and Vucevic and Embiid? So there are some questions, but again, this kid's just 18 years old. He's got plenty of time to fill out kind of how Jokic was like Husky and went the other way. Shen Goon can like start kind of, you know, slight and and, and fill out. So, I mean, realistically, I won't be mad at all. I've got it. Right. Well, realistically, if he can improve his shot and become a respectable three-point shooter, he's 6'10". Stick him at the four. He doesn't have to guard those big guys. I don't think that there's any universe where he is going to probably be able to guard them. I mean, those are some big boys you just listed. The Jokic's and the Embiid's of the world. Like, they're they're huge. They're talented. I don't know that I am, you know, optimistic about him ever guarding those guys. But improve your three-point shot. Be respectable. We can move you out. You can stretch the floor a little bit. I mean, that would really complete his game and 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 make him a really good, maybe great NBA player. I, with him, I just see so much upside. Now, you know, playing in an international league, everybody kind of has like, oh, I don't know if he's actually going to be good if we bring him over, da-da-da. Like, you look no further than Mario Hazonia. Like, that really didn't work out as far as, like, an international prospect. But if this kid hits, like, I really think this is a kid that could be, like, a perennial all-star. He's far different really, than Mario Hazonia, by the way. I would I would agree with that. 
I don't think this is a Mario Hazonia case. Now, <laughs> next up, Kai Jones out of Texas, another big man center, 20 years old, 6'11, 218 pounds, 7'1 wingspan, averaged 8.8 points a game, 4.8 rebounds, 0.6 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.9 blocks per game, 1.4 turnovers, shot 58% from the, from the floor, 38% from the three point line, 68.9% from the free throw line. Luke, what did you like about Kai Jones? I'm going to start with this, and I hope it doesn't backfire on me, Jonathan. When it comes to Kai Jones, I'm good. I'm good on that. I don't wow. I don't want it. There's nothing that you there, like? Do we just I mean, want to get right to the con? <laughs> he's a he's a he's a good he's good in the post, right? He's a he's a good good in the post. He's a good athlete. He's a playmaker for his size. There's just so much that doesn't seem good. Like the, the, he he can't he can't get his own shot. He can't create his own shot. He he's too passive. He's not elite defensively at all. He's foul prone. Like the cons list for me is a lot longer. And from what I've just gathered, from what I've seen, than the pros. He can he can get to be a, a decent three point shooter. Um, but I'm also not sold that he is a three point shooter right now. He yes he shot 38, percent but he only shot one a game. I'm not I'm not sold uh, by any means on Kai Jones. Um, I just I'm not there with him. Maybe I didn't do enough research on Kai Jones, Jonathan. But from what I have gathered, like I said, I'm good. What I will say is Kai Jones at eight, I would pass. I would not take him at eight. Yep. If the Magic trade down, right? We're right. we're just kind of going through all the possibilities, the guys that could be in the conversation at eight. Yeah. Elite athletic ability. Really, really fluid running the floor. The ability to go coast to coast in transition doesn't really have like a lot of like dribble moves, but in terms of like the head fake and getting past a bigger, slower guy, and then like the Euro step as he get in gets into the lane, that's really, really promising. I think high motor. When we talk about Texas big men, the first guy that comes to my <laughs> mind is Mo Bamba. Yeah. To me, when you look at their energy and their motor, it's night and day. Like I think that Kai Jones, first of all, when you see Mo run, it's just like this like slow prodding kind of like jog. Mm -hmm. Kai Jones runs, he's like a gazelle. Like he's just real again, really, really fluid, running the floor. He shot 75.8% in transition this season. Good offensive rebound, good offensive rebounder, 4.8 rebounds per game. Two of those every single game were offensive rebounders. Mm -hmm. Re offensive rebounds. I'm all for that. Solid three-point percentage this year again with low attempts it's kind of hard to project how they're going to be yeah the 68 percent free throw percentage i don't know what it is there are a lot of guys in college that just don't seem to be good free throw shooters very weird it's free points kids yeah. if you're out there listening practice your free throws but right. again the slight frame he's going to need some time to grow physically just like we did with mo bamba so if you're looking at eight to get a guy that's going to contribute right away probably not going to be kai jones the comparison that I saw that I liked was Christian Wood. I yeah. don't think he's got the same type of handle as Christian Wood. Probably mm -hmm. not as good of a shooter as Christian Wood. But, again, when we talk about the head fakes, the first step getting past guys, the Euro step into the lane, some of the fadeaways that he had in the post, I do like that comp a little bit. Don't think he's going to be Christian Wood. But nobody thought Christian Wood was going to be Christian Wood, if we're being completely but fair. One, At eight, I'm passing on Kai Jones. But there is – things about his game that I, I think are pretty intriguing. Yeah. I, the one thing I'll add, 
if you'll notice so you're a big like the first thing you go to and i've noticed this which is i mean which is true it's all accurate is their their free throw percentage and if that you know if it's high then you have some it shows that they have some room for you know to become a good three-point shooter which is the case right my thing that i go to i don't always say it first and i sometimes just added it kind of as like at the end is their assisted turnover ratio kai jones I'm never going to ask him to facilitate. No, I'm going to ask him to take care of the ball though. And for a guy who only averaged 0.6 assists per game, there is no reason why he should be averaging one and a half turnovers. I just, I, I don't, I don't like that. That is something that I do look at in terms of, you know, their, their statistics because it does tell a lot. Their assist to turnover ratio. You want a guy that can take care of the ball. And that's just kind of another knock on, on Kai Jones's game. I feel like we're kind of like good good cop, bad cop with Kai Jones right now because I feel like you highlighted everything and kind of made up for all the things that I said that were bad. But but that is another thing. Assisted turnover-wise, I, I just don't know that I trust Kai Jones to take care of the basketball. Well, so what I will say about that is I feel like every single one of these scouting reports that I'm going through and like watching these you know films and these breakdowns, yeah, almost every player, there's some type of note about their decision-making. Right. And Steve Clifford, what really drove me crazy about Steve Clifford is there were a handful of times where he said to reporters, I don't coach decisions like make this pass or, or this shot, or you did this, you did that wrong. I do think, especially with a young roster. And obviously we know Steve Clifford left because he wasn't a fan of having a very young roster. Mm -hmm. Part of that is decision-making. You have to coach them out of bad habits. You have to teach them, look, this is your role. This is what you're capable of. This is what you're really good at right now. This is what you could get good at, but we don't want you doing that right now necessarily. Right. And I think especially with a guy like Kai Jones, there is a question about his decision-making and trying to force the issue and being turnover prone. That's all completely fair. I don't think those kinds of things are such a concern of mine because that was a big concern with, with Trey young coming out of college where the turnovers, it's a high turnover guy for the most part it's turned out all right for Atlanta. I'm not saying Kai Jones is Trey young. People don't, don't, you know, clip this and throw this up as I'm trying to call Kai Jones, Trey young, because there probably couldn't be two guys more on the end of the spectrum uh, between those guys. But that's why I don't get so caught up in that because I do genuinely think that's something that can be coached out of you to a certain extent. So last guy, we're going to go over Corey Kispert. Now I've seen for months, especially on Magic Twitter, Corey Kispert getting a lot of hate. Everyone knows it's no secret that the Magic needs shooting. Corey Kispert, that is exactly what you get with Corey Kispert. Let's go just through some of his bio really quickly. So guard out of Gonzaga, 22 years old, 6'7", good size for a guard, 220 pounds, wingspan, 6'8", 18.6 points per game, 5 rebounds a game, 1.8 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks. 1.3 1.3 turnovers, uh, 52% from the floor, 44% from the three-point line, 87% from the free throw line. Luke, what do you think of Corey Kispert? First of all, 6.53 point attempts a game and to shoot 44%. I wrote oh, in all caps, shooter. That's, shooter. That's like all you that's need all. to know. Incredible shooter from deep. Like just an incredible. He's good off the ball. Elite he from day one. Yeah, uh, good rebounder. The one thing that is kind of, you know, the the the, the cons is everybody has uh, 
obviously is, you know, lacks an elite first step off the dribble. Um, also can't really guard quicker players. I think those kind of usually go hand in hand. If you're, if you have an, if you have a good quick first step, you're going to be able to guard those quicker players. Kispert, unfortunately cannot do that. Uh, at least not yet. I don't know if he'll get there. We'll see. But incredibly high IQ. The guy has a feel for the game. Like you said, the, I mean, 18 a game on, on a, on a good team. I mean, he was, he was a huge reason for that team's success. I do like Kispert. The one thing that does, nobody really knows about Kispert. Nobody, it just feels like nobody has a feel on Kispert and how he will be besides being an incredible three-point shooter. Uh, An incredible three-point shooter makes up for a lot of, of faults and players. Um, That being said, like I've seen Kispert projected anywhere from like 10 to 25 in the first round. Like the, the range is ridiculous. So it just tells me nobody knows, but uh, I, I mean, I feel all right about Kispert. I don't know if I feel good about him at eight. I think he might be one of those guys that, that I've already kind of touched on with some of the other prospects magic trade back. I'm all for it. The magic needs shooting. But if you're telling me, you know, you get to choose between Moses Moody and Corey Kispert, both great three point shooters and taking Moses Moody every day of the week, I think. Yeah. I'm taking Moses Moody. I think he's just going to give you a little bit more. Uh, just kind of all around. But what I will say about Corey Kispert, like the off ball movement is absolutely elite. Like we haven't really had a guy that is incredible at off ball movement other than, I mean, Terrence Ross, but you know, he gets like a lot of pin downs, a lot of things that are ran for him. A lot of people would tell you that JJ Redick is like one of the best all time off ball movement. And I got a little bit of that watching the Corey Kispert film. The other thing is not only is he a good shooter, but he's got range. Like, I'm not going to say he's got, like Steph range or, or Dame range, but he's got, he's got somewhere in between like Vooch range and Dame range. Like it's like, Vooch right. has got both toes basically on the line, <laughs> but uh, no, I do like the ability. Uh, obviously as a shooter, he's, I think he's going to be a day one offensive contributor and floor spacer. Like guys are going to know pretty early on who Corey Kispert is. And the fact that they cannot leave that guy open because right. when he's wide open. He really just does not miss. Now he is a solid finisher. I will give him that, but, the thing about being in college is that you are somewhat athletic and not everyone has elite athleticism like a lot of guys do in the NBA. So although he is a solid finisher in college, I don't think he's going to have the ability to show that off in the NBA because he is going to struggle to create his own shot, create space. He's not going to be a creator off the dribble. Like you said, he doesn't have an explosive first step. Yeah, He's going to have difficulty guarding any point guard in the league, basically with the limited limited lateral quickness. Now, like I said, he's going to be a contributor from day one. I just don't know what his upside is going to be. Something that I hate to bring up over and over and over again is when the magic traded Channing Fry to the Cleveland Cavaliers, they received Joe Harris back in that trade and immediately (laughs) waived him. And Joe Harris this year led the entire league in three point percentage and the comparison. I mean, they almost kind of look alike. So that, (laughs) I mean, you know, all of us white people look alike. Right, it's true. So the comparison that I have is Joe Harris. Now, I'm going to give Joe Harris a little bit more credit defensively, but I do think having guys like Kenny Atkinson and and now having you know a, a, you know an elite you know coaching staff with you know Steve Nash you know Mike D'Antoni, coached him up a little bit, and guys like Kevin Durant are going to you know clog things up defensively a little bit and help make up for some of the things that Joe Harris might lack. But I, at least from day one, I think Joe Harris is probably the better defender. Corey Kispert, 
might eventually be a starting shooting guard at the absolute worst. He's going to be a knockdown shooter off the bench for like a very, 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 very good team. So, yeah, but at eight, I don't love it. But I think one thing that everybody can agree on is that that kid is just going to be a lights out shooter. Like the form is just ridiculous. The, like the release speed, almost like a clay Thompson, just automatic. Right. But yeah, Yeah. not at eight. Again, we don't think that the magic are going to trade down from eight. If they do, that's when some of these other guys like a Kai Jones or a, or a Corey Kispert, you know, or, a you know, Josh Giddy, some of those other guys might come into play, but at eight, if like a book night or a Moses Moody, if Alpren Shingun is there for me, yeah. if the magic take him at eight, it's a huge risk. Very, very, very risky, but I'll be excited because the potential of that kid is, is definitely pretty high. But I think Luke, that's going to do it for our, our draft prospect breakdown. You know, we did part one last week. If you guys missed that, you can go back and listen to that for some of the, higher tier prospects that the magic might take at five or at eight, but this was a lot of fun. I feel like we both learned a lot. I feel like we're going to have a pretty good idea about whoever the magic draft Mm -hmm. at eight. So in the past, when we're talking about 15, it's like, Oh my gosh, it could be 50 different guys. Like, you know, going from five to eight, we've covered guys like that are projected. Like you said, like as high as like the twenties right? we picked. So yeah. We've got 26 days from when we're recording this. We're recording this on the third. So we've got 26 days between now and the draft. Once you guys are listening, you know, it's going to be 23 days or 25 days, 24 <laughs> days. I can't do math. 20 something. Fireworks. 20 something days, a few weeks. We'll say that. I got fireworks. You guys are probably hearing that through my mic. Like it literally feels right over my house right here. I have no idea. But um, anyways, Luke, anything else? Uh, no, I think I think that's it. It's gonna be a long few weeks. Hopefully, hopefully the Magic get a coach soon. Yes. Um, that'd be great. I get really think that's coming this week. Like, right. There's been a, there's been a lot of a lot of things. Was it was it uh, Philip Rossman Reich yeah. uh, from Orlando Magic Daily reporting that he he thinks it'll be after the holiday, after the fourth. So we're entering coaching territory i think the magic are going to get a coach i'm sure that you know if that happens this week you will get an episode from us next week that includes you know coach talk if that's the case hopefully we know more and then we will be officially gearing up even more so for the draft hopefully these breakdowns have helped you guys like jonathan said we've learned a lot through it you're able to kind of know a little bit about everybody it feels like in that first round at least in the top 20 picks We've covered a lot of ground. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it because it's been, like I said, it's great to go into the draft knowing what you're talking about. There's nothing worse than going in to watch a draft with some people who have no clue what they're talking about. They overreact to a guy that, that the magic pick or, you know, whoever your favorite team picks or another team. And it's just like, okay, this guy didn't know what he's talking about. So we want to put you guys in the in the best spot where you guys can be watching an NBA draft on draft night, whether it's with us at the Amway. Shameless plug. Yep, whether it's with us at the Amway and you hung out with us before at, uh, at the the Harry Buffalo, uh, or with whether you're with friends. You know, we want you guys to 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 come off as at least you know what you're talking about. There's a lot of people on draft night who have no idea what they're talking about. So we hope you guys enjoy it. We hope you guys got a lot out of it. Uh, we really appreciate your support as always, guys. Absolutely. So for Luke, this has been Jonathan. You guys are listening to the six man show and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the six man show. 
Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!